Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Steve McEwen. Steve was a radio operator in the 4th Infantry Division of the U.S. Army in Vietnam in 1966 and 67. He was a founding member of the Veterans for Peace Chapter Number 27 in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, and is the coordinator for their newsletter. Steve McEwen has spoken to hundreds of classes in elementary and high schools, colleges, churches, and community groups on matters of war and peace, and he has been part of organizing all kinds of peace activism, some of which I've been involved with, uh, including related to Armistice Day, the 100th anniversary of which was this past Sunday. Steve McEwen, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Well, thanks, David. So what is Armistice Day for anyone who still hasn't heard, and why should we be celebrating it? Well, Armistice Day was uh, on November 11, 1918, at the 11th hour. A fighting stopped by order of uh, the Allied troops, the Germans, and the Austria countries. It had been signed at 5 o'clock, but the fighting was supposed to stop. And all along the Western Front... A silence had happened in the trenches with the blood, the rats, the corpses, the barbed wire. Yeah. After four years of fighting with the uh, 10 million dead in the military, another probably 8 million civilians killed and 20 million wounded, and God only knows how many, some say upwards of 100 million with the Asiatic flu that was uh, attributed to the war. Right. Or it stopped. There was a silence on the battlefield. Uh, war had had its day. It was called and fought as the war to end wars. As you well know, David, it wasn't uh, called World War One until World War Two came along. It was called the War for Democracy and the War to End Wars. And we as Veterans for Peace uh, would like to see that name change, Veterans Day, uh, change back to Armistice Day, which is supposed to uh, be a day of peace, and we can get into that. And, and it was an ar- a, a holiday related to peace, even officially, according to the U.S. Congress, it was a holiday for peace, was it not? Yes, it was uh, set aside, I believe, in 25, uh, the first uh, uh, real recognition of it. Well, it was called Armistice Day, and they did some activities there at the uh, uh, Arlington Cemetery. Uh, but in 1938, it was set aside by law, Congress, to promote world peace. It was called Armistice Day. And then in 1954, it was changed to Veterans Day. The one word was changed over to uh, Veterans Day, replacing Armistice Day. And so that doesn't seem like offhand, like a big deal. But again, we have to go back uh, to what that war was, the war to end wars. And a lot of people took that serious after World War One, And, of course, uh, the biggest uh, peace movement, as you've well written in a book, uh, took place and culminated in the Kellogg-Briand Pact in 1927. And with that... Uh, War was outlawed. And so with the 1954 Declaration of, uh, De- Declaration of Armistice Day that uh, General Eisenhower uh, signed into law, 
uh, changing that, the emphasis started to be put more on Veterans Day. Uh, we in Veterans for Peace felt that uh, it came about because, uh, and others do too, it came about because of our World War II and the Korean War. It was pretty hard to uh, refer back to Armistice Day, uh, the war and wars, and a day of peace after having these terrible carnages take place. It was brought about by a World War II veteran named Raymond Weeks, who, right after he got back, he's from I, one of the southern states, Mississippi or Alabama. Uh, I think it was Alabama. But at any rate, uh, he really pushed for it for many years to change that to Veterans Day. He wanted to have all veterans honored. Uh, and, of course, with the, uh, the communist scare, uh, the Cold War heating up, uh, this made a lot of sense to the powers that be, and it was signed into law. And then later, Weeks was uh, recognized by President Ronald Reagan in the, in the 80s, uh, given a, a Medal of Citation for his work. I think he was even called an American hero. Um, so we as Veterans for Peace want to put that emphasis back. Yeah, I mean, the, the emphasis, when people hear Veterans Day, they don't think pro-war holiday. Uh, but the fact is that in many places it is, and even chapters of Veterans for Peace have a hard time getting included in Veterans Day parades in some cities because they're they're for peace, right? Yes, they've been excluded. I think it comes to mind I, three chapters of Veterans for Peace, one in Boston, uh, one out of Seattle, and I think in the past, Milwaukee has been excluded, too. Uh, in Boston, they, they've marched for years at the end of the parade, after the parade. <laughs> yeah. They've been excluded because they're, they've been called too political. Uh, and uh, quite funny because uh, all the other veterans organizations, of course, they're not, you know, with the uh, pro-war. and They couldn't have the insignias or the flags march along with the parade. Veterans for Peace couldn't, but of course the other veterans for organizations. And Veterans for Peace didn't want to get into a big flack about not having the other veterans organizations uh, belong, but uh, they rightfully felt, and, uh, and a lot of other people along the routes that the parades took place, uh, felt that they should have been included. Yeah, because it, it's the, the way that people have been brought to think in recent years, uh, if if you're not for the troops, there's something wrong with you. Uh, but for the troops usually means for the wars, unless you raise questions about that, and then it doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, and, and so it, 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 it I mean, it, to my mind, it's a, it's a pro-war holiday now, and it used to be a pro-peace holiday. Do, do people, do people ask you, you know, how do, how do you dare oppose Veterans Day? Well, that's a good question, David. And uh, we go back to the veterans that we talked about that I mentioned right away, uh, the military. It was a great war. Yes, it was a great war in terms of the casualties. It was an industrial slaughter. Uh, a book that I'd highly recommend, uh, written by Adam uh, Hochschild. Uh, I've read the whole thing called To End All Wars, just the senseless destruction of all of this, how it came about, about, and how do we honor those veterans? You know, this is where the uh, the uh, holiday came about. 
Armistice Day again. Right. Uh, how do we honor those that came before us? That's a very personal matter with me and a lot of other veterans. My grandfather, who I lived with, uh, was with the uh, enlisted in the uh, in Canada with the French Canadian Army at the age of thirty. I lived with him before Vietnam and after Vietnam. He had nightmares. He was wounded in that war. He had a uh, wooden leg. Uh, he didn't get that from the war. He got shot in the rear end. He got that in a hunting accident. But his stump would jump at night. And out of the blue sometimes, he would tell me about the smell. And he was no warmonger. He would tell me about the smell of dead bodies. He would tell me about cooling off his machine gun with urine. He was uh, wounded in, uh, in Belgium. Yeah. And spent some time in the hospital. So, like I said, it's very personal for me and a lot of others. And so how do we honor those veterans? Um here in Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska, all the way down to Kansas, and Iowa in between, and North Dakota, there's something that was called the that happened a tragedy called the Armistice Day Blizzard of 1940. I don't know, David, have you heard of that? I wanted to ask you about that because I don't know about it, and you had mentioned it. Okay, uh, it's still called that. Uh, 145 people died. During that blizzard, the temperature was like 60 degrees, balmy. Duck hunters were out along the Mississippi River here in Minnesota. Uh, people were on Lake Michigan. 60 people died on there alone. Uh, a storm came up suddenly. They got 29 inches up in, by St. Cloud here in Minnesota. It came up suddenly, and people were stranded all over. A lot of people were died in that, like I said, 145. It's still called the Armistice Day Blizzard. Now, if you were to call that... The Veterans Day blizzard, people would look at you like you were pretty strange. I mean, the people that, you know, know what it means, the Armistice Day blizzard. Right. And so one might ask, logically speaking, why wasn't that changed if it's so important? You know? Well, obviously that doesn't honor veterans, of course, but is it really about honoring veterans? And... I succinctly bring up the question, how do we honor those veterans that fought the war and wars? And we as a chapter of Veterans for Peace, Chapter 27 out of Minneapolis-St. Paul, I think we were the first chapter to start remembering the armistice you, and you, calling it. You started like this in 1987, right? Yes, 1987, we went out to... Uh, we walked, had a 20-mile walk. We had arranged for this in advance. Uh, the Native American uh, Ojibwe, the late Native American Ojibwe pipe carrier, Larry Cloud Morgan, went with us. Uh, he was one of the uh, four plowshares activists that jackhammered a nuclear missile silo in, uh, down in Missouri in the early 80s. And he was out of jail, and he went with us, and... Uh, our small chapter at the time, and uh, we walked from Flandreau, South Dakota, where Little Crow's grave is at. We walked from there to Pipestone National Monument, where for thousands of years Native Americans have gathered for peace. It's a neutral place, uh, and they were guaranteed free passage. <clears throat> I mean, not, excuse me, uh, protection to come there 
to quarry their pipes and to smoke them for peace. And so we walked there and had a had a ceremony. We didn't ring bells that time. We had a pipe ceremony, and it was a it was a, a bunch of people. We had like about a hundred different signs. Uh, my mother, I grew up out in that area, about forty miles away, and my mother arranged for us to speak at the South Dakota State, the Newman Center, there at five different Catholic masses. And uh, the priest, after he heard us speak, invited me up to a uh, small parish, a small town that I played basketball against. Uh, so I went into that church basement, and a lot of women were down there. They are having a chicken dinner and getting clothes for, I believe, Standing Rock Indian Reservation at the time. I probably played basketball against their sons or maybe their, their uh, husbands. I was 40 or so at the time. And when I started out speaking, I said about the uh, walk that we were promoting and why it should be called Armistice Day. I told them that it ought to be, this is the Catholic Church, mind you, uh, that it ought to be a holy day of obligation. And their jaws about dropped. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are, David, or your audience with the uh, Catholic Church, but there's a number of days that are called holy days of obligation, such as Christmas, uh, Easter, which you're supposed to go to Mass like that, the Church, and observe it. And as the writer Kurt Vonnegut has said in the Breakfast of Champions, Kurt Vonnegut being a uh, prisoner of war during World War II, and as a writer and interviewed many uh, World War I veterans, spoke about that day at the 11th hour, the 11th month on the battlefield, about the silence there, where he said that the veterans swore they heard the voice of God. So one can just imagine that in the silence right there, and I integrated it with uh, what I said about a holy day of obligation. And we as a chapter started ringing those bells in 1991 out at Fort Snelling uh, National Cemetery out of Minneapolis here, a very large cemetery with thousands, hundreds of thousands of graves. Uh, My name's on that because my first wife died early of breast cancer. We went out there during a blizzard in 91 for Armistice Day, about a dozen of us, and we rang bells. And we've been doing it ever since at various locations uh, involving the community, some as many as five, 600 people with school kids. Mm. I even read the kellogg Brian Pact in the mid-90s, uh, which you're well familiar with, at Outlaws Wars. Children read it along with us. And so we've been holding these ceremonies, and we integrated into during the year, which I think is important at special occasions. Uh, we've done it when it's our time to go instead of the uh, 21-gun volley salute, which, and, and you know, you hear the contrast of the pen versus the sword. Well, this is like the bell versus the gun. And so it's sort of a cultural thing for us, too. Steve, you've also told me that uh, in the early 90s, uh, the first uh, President Bush uh, had a comment uh, that you objected to that fit very well into uh, reforming the the current war culture back into a pro-peace culture. Uh, What what was that? Yes, I was President H.W. Bush, uh, who made, of course, the comment uh, shortly after Desert Storm that we've uh, certainly have kicked the... uh, I think he kicked the donkey with the A-word. 
out of the uh, Vietnam syndrome. Don't quote me word for word on that, but the meaning is there. He also said later on that year that sometimes we have to have a war to end wars. So that's why we started the bell ring. And uh, that's why we continue it. To, to have a peace to end wars. Yeah. And 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 this idea that your chapter started in Minnesota of uh, of restoring Armistice Day and uh, and the ceremonies that, and the ringings of the bells, uh, I mean, you you've started a trend. This has been catching on through Veterans for Peace and and many other groups, hasn't it? Well, it certainly has, and I'm really pleased, really pleased to see it. And uh, a lot of that credit goes to uh, the late Bob Heberly who, in the mid, uh, I'm not sure exactly what year, uh, passed a resolution at one of our national conventions to uh, to start reclaiming. Didn't use those words, and I don't know what the official words were, but put the emphasis on naming it Armistice Day. And I know some chapters have started because of that. Uh, in Iowa City, for example, it started two chapters because of it has a success, excuse me, successful Armistice Day. Chapters of Vets for Peace. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and you've had hundreds of churches ringing bells and, and the local governments in, endorsing the, the, the holiday and so far. I mean, how, how, how far along has this gotten toward, toward acceptance and, and public uh, awareness? Well, it's gathering. Uh, we don't know the full extent of that. Uh, in 2011, of course, you know, the jingle 11, 11, 11, 2011, we had close to 200 churches that we know of uh, ring bells, and many of them put in their bulletins or announced to their congregations what it was about. And we asked them to work and pray for peace. Well, obviously, there's more prayers to be done and more work to be done, but associating that with Armistice Day, I think, was a big step. Uh, we've continued to, to have done that. Uh, we recently had uh, the Archbishop of uh, Minnesota, and I think it goes into North Dakota and South Dakota. I'm not sure. It's the diocese. And if I may, could I just uh, read this short letter? Yeah, by all means. That we received. Uh, and this is to our Vice President of our chapter, Mike McDonald, who went over to the Archdiocese located in St. Paul, right up the hill. You can see it right from Kellogg Boulevard, who uh, the street is named after, who won the Nobel Peace Prize for the law against war, the kellogg Brian Pact. I just had to put that in there. Uh, Dear Mike, thank you for your recent request for me to notify our parishes about the Armistice Day church bell ringing effort organized by Veterans for Peace, Chapter 27. Many, if not most, of our parishes and schools regularly pray for an end to war and for all of our brothers and sisters to welcome Jesus, our Prince of Peace, into their hearts. I support your efforts to reclaim Armistice Day, to educate all people as to its history and the ultimate goal of world peace. In consultation with the Archdiocese Office of Worship, I am asking our office communications to send to our Polish parish bulletin editors information on the bell ringing effort and a short announcement to print in their bulletins if they see fit. I'm confident many of our parishes will participate 
and most importantly, pray for peace. Please know of my gratitude for your efforts and my continued prayers for peace and all those who seek it. It's from the Reverend uh, Bernard A. Hebda, Archbishop of St. Paul in Minneapolis. Uh, I think that's significant because here we find a clergy leader uh, doing some of our work that we've been doing. Yeah. Helping us along the road. And this is what we want. And the same thing happened. I don't have the uh, proclamation in front of us, but uh, at uh, city council, the last city council meeting, uh, the full city council in front of the full chamber and the mayor signed a proclamation. Uh, along the same lines, except they weren't going to pray for peace, but, uh, you know, to issue that uh, they support the Armistice Day. Well, I think you... So that's some good news there, and... uh, You've set a real example, Steve, that other groups, uh, World Beyond War that I work with and other peace organizations uh, have picked up and are uh, promoting, not just in the United States, but in other countries that that still call it Armistice Day or that call it Remembrance Day, uh, but where it's also become very much a pro-war celebration. Uh, This idea... Uh, I think has legs. I think it's going to continue to spread. When when you go and and, and talk uh, to young people uh, in, in schools uh, about Armistice Day and about peace and war, what what sort of reception do you find from them? Pretty much, without I shouldn't say without exception. There's always uh, you know sometimes uh, you know you get somebody that's really had it ingrained to them. Uh, you know, by their family that, uh, you know, we're almost the devils or something. But uh, we've had good receptions with young people. Uh, We speak, well, from our experience also, from more and what it does. And uh, about the armistice in specific, uh, specifically, I try and gear that in with the Christmas truce, which I think is really, really related. And uh, the Christmas truce of course, being, and I think many of your audience probably have heard of it, but I'll just repeat it. It's a story that I didn't know was really true. Uh, I thought it was an old soldier story, and that's what I spoke about in 1987 when we went on our Pipestone Walk, our first Armistice Day. I said that story, and I said, use your imagination about what this could be. That story in itself uh, really captures... Uh, young people's imagination right there. And they really, really relate to it. And we relate to it in our own chapter, Veterans for Peace, like when we have disagreements and that sort of thing, we say, if these guys, if these guys during that Christmas truce could go out in the no-man's land, we can work our stuff out. And I think that's a very strong message. I think it's universal. Uh, It's a very powerful uh, message, and it's wonderful for people to understand that it really happened, that it's really true. Um, And and I think that's a great uh, tool to use when there are disagreements within the peace movement, uh, as there are uh, an incredibly frustrating amount of the time uh, to to know that that people who've been pitted against each other as, as enemies to the death uh, can make peace. Um, what what can people uh, do to find out about 
how to promote Armistice Day? Uh, where can they go online or elsewhere to find Veterans for Peace Chapter 27 or National Veterans for Peace or other uh, resources? All of the above, David. That, and I'm sure that you're, uh, I read your excellent, excellent article here, uh, Special Armistice uh, issue put out, Reclaim Armistice Day, uh, where you wrote an article on a peace to end all wars. It's one of the better articles, I must say, that I've read. Was was that uh, the one from called... The Humanist? No, this one uh, is from uh, the oh, National oh. Veterans for Peace uh, publication. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you got Tarek. And, and I called down because guys... I had wanted uh, to distribute some of those, and all they could send me was like 15 at the time. I think they're going to print much more. They just went off the shelves. That, so, that's great. That's a, that's a wonderful yes, it that's newspaper. that's part of the good news right there. Uh, How can people get that paper, Steve? Office building in the world, <laughs> the Pentagon, you know, Steve, well, how can good. how can people get that news that newspaper that Vets for Peace puts out? Well, I would just Google Veterans for Peace, and you can uh, get a hold of the national office. Uh, that would be the best way. Yeah, World Beyond War also has totally picked up this idea of of Armistice Day as a day to do events uh, and promote peace, and we've got. Uh, if you go to worldbeyondwar.org slash Armistice Day, you'll find lots of links, including to uh, Veterans for Peace uh, web pages and resources and bell ringing uh, instructions and uh, and all the rest of it. I think it's a it's a terrific thing. Um, we've we got just a couple minutes left. Uh, what you mentioned, Frank Kellogg and the Kellogg Brion Pact. Is that a is that going to continue to be a big part of what you guys are doing uh, for peace in Minnesota? Yes, it is. Uh, we have to figure out what to do on, of course, August twenty seventh each year, uh, and of course we've done things with you on that. But uh, we take it into schools. We give it. I gave it here. Uh, I was on part of the Nobel Peace Prize forum here at. Uh, Augsburg College, the second largest one in the world, other than the the one where they actually give the prize. And we had Beatrice Finn from the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Right. And at the closing ceremony, uh, I was part of the panel with her uh, for our work that we've done with uh, the War Committee, with Women Against Military Madness and Veterans for Peace. Part of the committee there, a panel discussion. And in front of the audience, I presented her with the uh, Kellogg-Brien Pact, uh, more people get to learn about that, and she was just touched with it. And, as uh, as was I, receiving it. as was I when you presented me with a nice uh, canvas uh, copy of it. That's uh, that's I tried to turn around and lost my microphone there. That's on the wall behind me here. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, we give it to uh, a lot of times to schools. We gave it to our peace essay contest winners in high schools. Uh, that we run with the Minnesota Alliance with Peacemakers that we're part of. And, uh, of course, you've given it to down in Chicago, where you've been a couple of times as the keynote speaker, and all kinds of events that we possibly can. As a uh, matter of fact, we gave it to a school named after Frank Kellogg here in Minnesota yeah. uh, called Kellogg Junior High, and we gave one to a Veterans for Peace uh, chapter out in Washington. They presented it on an Armistice Day ceremony a couple years ago to the 
school itself that's named after Frank Kellogg. So, so, so there's a couple of wonderful uh, piece ideas that people can go learn more about the Kellogg Beyond Pact and Armistice Day, and they can go to Veterans for Peace Chapter 27 out of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Veterans for Peace, the the national and and international organization. We've been speaking with Steve McEwen, uh, who was a founding member of VFP Chapter 27, which started this practice of restoring Armistice Day that is on the way to restoring it. I wish we could go on, but are out of time. Steve, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thanks. Keep up the good work, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.